0: We are so grateful and so thankful that that, uh, we can grow in knowing who you are in all your glory through your son, Jesus Christ, and that we can know him and experience him as our proper position, our proper image, our proper place because of the gift of the Holy Spirit. What a gift, God, you are yourself. And when we consider God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the eternal triune God who has thought of us in such an incredible way. And we want to know you, Lord, in all your glory and all your power and all your love so that we can function in the midst of this evil world system of chaos and trouble, but that we can function in a well-disciplined mind how to think, think just like you in every circumstance, in every situation, Lord. Thank you so much for this truth this morning. And, and we all, we all come before you, all of us together and, and, and ask you in all humility to, to please grace us out with your presence this morning because we know that in your presence and in your presence only is the fullness of our joy because of that power and that love and the joy of a really well-sound, well-disciplined, well-taught mind this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. I was thinking this morning and I talked with uh, uh, several people and I usually have Uh, a very sweet and private time uh, with my my dear friend, Mike, uh, Mike Fenton. And we have such an exchange of a a beautiful life that God has given us. I believe since, I think it's around 1997 or 98. One of the things that, uh, that God was bringing to us together as we were before jesus christ our proper head truthfully our only head our only proper way of thinking properly in first corinthians two sixteen, 16. the lord was bringing us into the church the the church and the church there are seven different locations asiatic churches in revelations chapters two and three but really it's one church That's what Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 18. I will build my church. Many local assemblies that make up the one church, that make up the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, and 13, of of which is made up of each of us as individuals in a very peculiar, particular way that God has designed us to reflect the image of who he is in us in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 27. But as we were thinking of these things in the church, we realized that the first church that he, that he spoke about, that he spoke to, was the church of Ephesus, and it's where we have all this Ephesian truth. And in that, that particular epistle, it's bringing out in the sovereignty, the power, the glory of God himself expressed through his son by the power of the Holy Spirit in an incredible way. And that was something that he said down through church history. And that's what that reveals in Revelations chapters 2 and 3. It is revealing the history of the local assembly, the whole church that is made up again of local assemblies. And he had to say to them, and he built them up first and what they did have because they hated, they hated evil. They hated it. And as much as they could recognize it, they hated it based upon that Ephesians truth in the epistle of Ephesians. But then he said, but this I have strongly against you. I have this strongly against you because you left your first love. And God wants us to focus on three words this morning. His power. His love. And a very healthy, well disciplined, trained mind how to think with him in the intimacy of his love that flows through grace. He had to say that to the church of Ephesus with all that truth that they had. We talked about that, uh, my friend and I, we talked about that as God was revealing his truth to us. And it brings out in Revelations chapter 2 and verse 4. When you see that, they didn't want an authority, any kind of authority of evil. But the one thing they did was they left their first love. And what is first love? It is the first time that we receive Christ, who is the very power of God. In 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 24. And that's how the, that we are kept. In 1 Peter 1, 5, by the power of God in the midst of trial that bring out the gold in us the treasure that Christ is in us as he brings it out the redemptive reality the silver there in 1st Peter 1 and verse 7 and Job 23 and verse 10 we come out and we have the fire the trials are like a fire in 1st Peter 4:12 why would we think it strange then when he tries the treasure that is in us why would we think that so We want to think of these words. One of the things that they had, the Church of Ephesus, was that they had tremendous light, the light of the reality of Christ in all of his his glory. How he glorified the Father in John 13, 31, and 32. How he glorified him. In John 17 and verse 4, as he was facing the cross, and the cross just became the place to manifest and reveal the glory of God in the midst of the most intense evil, the most intense evil, he brought out the power of his love, the power of his love. And so... The one thing that the church of Ephesus had, they had light, meaning they had understanding. They had understanding. If you follow the churches down through and it's revealing the church history from early first century, and that's why when you read 1 John 2 and verse 19, it says says, they went out from us because they they were not of us. They weren't constituted of Christ. That's why they went out. They went out from us because they weren't of us. Because if they were of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might be made manifest that they they were not all of us. Now, that can even be, that can be the unsafe, but it can be those that had light, but they lack something. They lack something. And that's something that we can lack experientially. We may have light. We do, and God has given us He's given us beautiful truth about the light of Christ, but one thing can happen is the one thing that He had against them was when they stopped receiving their first love, they did they no longer had power. Now there's the church, if you follow it down through those seven churches, we come to here we come to the particular church, which is the sixth church that's named. And it's called the Church of Philadelphia, brotherly love, love, love of the truth that Christ is in John 14, 6, and in John 17, and verse 17. They had a little strength. They, they kept his word. They had a little strength, meaning they had a little power. They had a little power. You know how God wants to increase the reality of the power, the true power that we have, because Christ is in us. The very power of God is in us, is that treasure in Second Corinthians four and verse seven. Out of that church of Philadelphia is what I believe where we are in America today. It's called the Church of Laodicea. The Church of Laodicea came out of in progression, you see how it progresses in church history. Church of Laodicea came out from the Church of Philadelphia. They had light, but they had no power, and as a result, they settled down in the world. They stopped going forward. Another power came in and overtook them. And that power, that satanic power, is the power of Satan, and it's called fear. It's called fear. Now, I'm going to read this here. And 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 1 it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, notice it was by the will of God, didn't have anything to do with his will, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what we experience when we experience the power of his love. A well-disciplined mind, we have grace, mercy, and peace. We have grace. Who's the God of all grace in 1 Peter 5.10? It is Christ. How do we grow? We grow in grace and then in knowledge in 2 Peter 3 and verse 18. So that's grace. And then mercy. We have a merciful high priest, a great high priest who's the apostle. He's the high priest, and apostle of our faith in Hebrews 3 and verse 1. This is power. And then we have in Hebrews chapter 4, we have a great high priest who's passed into the heavens in Hebrews 4 and verse 14 as he represents us in the power of who he is. That power of his life that he laid down, you see. In John 10 and verse 18, Jesus had power to lay it down as the very power of God. Then he had power to take it up and that power was resurrection life where he took all of us right up with him in Ephesians 4 and verse 8. He led captivity. He led a whole train of captives, captivated by the power of his love and brought them into heavenly truth. Positioned there, but now he wants to bring it into our experience. And then we have peace. Well, he is our peace in Ephesians 2 and verse 14. Jesus said, I'm going to give you peace. But it's never going to be the lie of the world. The lie of the world. There's no peace in this world system apart from Christ in us as believers. In Ephesians 2 and verse 14, the only place that peace is right now on this earth is in those that are in Christ, positioned in him through salvation. And now we experience it. We have that peace that Jesus is. So we said in John 14, 27, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. But it's my peace, the peace that I am is yours, through power that brings in an, an incredible truth, and it's from God the Father, and Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what when Mary was at the tomb looking for looking for Christ, the dead Christ, the dead body. She didn't recognize him. She was overwhelmed with fear and gloom and darkness that somehow he was gone from her when he promised, promised in John 11, 25 and 26 that he was the very resurrection life, the very power of God. Resurrection life. He was the resurrection and the life he told her. Do you believe that? Here she is, and like so many of us and so many Christians today, When we don't have power, we may have light. But when we don't have power, when we don't have it, we don't have the energy of his love because love is the active energy of God's nature and out of that comes a purity of light and that has to do with power. You think of what the power source is. For us to have lights on this earth, where do we get that from? We get that from the Son who created it. Jesus did. The pre-incarnate Christ in John 1 and verse 3. He created it in Colossians 1 and verse 15 and 16. All things were created by him and for him. And that's why he's preeminent in Colossians 1 and verse 18. Because he is the very power of God. Sovereign above. Which is our position. Which God wants to make our experience to be the equal of. And so he said to him, Paul through the whole Holy Spirit, through Paul, speaking to Timothy and speaking to us this morning, just as clearly as he did then, I thank God. you know it takes power to thank God? you know it takes power to experience his love? And do I know it with you? He said, whom I serve, whom I worship, with a clear conscience in Hebrews 10, 1 and 2, not a defiled conscience in Titus 1 and verse 5, experientially defiled through fear, but not opposition. No. No. A clear conscience. The way my forefathers did As I constantly remember you in my prayers, night and day, longing to see you, even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere, true faith, dependence within you. You're depending on Christ within you, Timothy, and God would have us to do that today. Which first dwelt in your grandmother as, and, and your, and Lois, your and, and, and Lo, grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And that's so important, motherhood. Teaching children at a young age, nothing but Christ, allowing nothing to go into the child but Christ. And that starts in the home. It starts in the home. And it starts by the parent's conduct. It's not what they say. And you know, it's not what we say. It's how we live our life. And we can't live it without power. I may declare the light of it, but I have to have the power of it to experience the love and a disciplined mind. And so he said, I am sure that it is well. That it is sure that surety, that foundational truth is in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh. God wants to do this this morning to us. He wants to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in us, which Him was given through the acceptance, realizing it, laying on of hands. It wasn't any official thing or something that He would do. He would just recognized Christ in Him and the gifts that God Himself through Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, given him the gift. Did you know that you and I have the treasure? That treasure is powerful within us in 2nd Timothy and and 2nd Corinthians 4 and verse 7. We have this treasure in these fragile, weak, and I want to listen, weak, frail jars. But out of weakness, out of weakness comes tremendous power. Oh, Christ was created in terms of weakness and having a human body and a human nature, never a sin nature, never tempted like you and I, ever. You cannot tempt him. God was in him. The Son of God and the Son of Man were one in him. God cannot be tempted with evil in James 1 and verse 13. Never. But he was crucified in weakness in 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 4. But he was raised in power. Resurrection life. That is ours in Christ. Right now in the midst of this chaotic, violent, evil world system that we are in right now. We don't buy the lie. In Proverbs twenty-three, twenty-three, we buy the truth. And we don't sell it out. The enemy wants us to sell out the power of his love in a well-disciplined mind. Through fear entering into the experience, so that we don't function properly in our proper character by walking in the light, in 1 John 1 7. And 1 John 1 7 always teaches character, not conduct. It teaches character. And then when the conduct is not the equal, we can confess it. There's power in confessing Christ and what he's accomplished, in 1 John 1 9, and it, and it cleanses us cleanses us, brought out with a beautiful picture in John 13, 4 through 10, that Jesus was teaching his disciples. Well, he said, for God, in verse 7 of 2 Timothy 1, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, of timidity, of cowardice, but of power. Did you see the separation? But of power. It, it takes God's power for you and I to experience His love. And when we do, we understand what it means to even be disciplined by him. It is his love that does it. In Proverbs 3, 11 and 12, and in Hebrews chapter 12, look at those 29 verses. Starting in discipline out of a proper prayer life and in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 4, through 29, our God is a consuming fire. Power, He has power. But of power and love and discipline, and that keeps us, in verse 8, from being ashamed of a proper witness and testimony of the Lord. We are His prisoner. Ephesians 3 1, Ephesians 4 1. Paul said, Oh boy, I was once a slave to sin, in John 8 and verse 34. Under the power of the enemy, his lie, as we all were in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. But God, who was so rich in mercy, in his great love for us. Oh, what power there is. And so we see here, it does away as it does. Because as, as the power that Christ is, that's 1 John four seventeen, 17. We're to have boldness in the day of judgment. Why? Because we have power. The power of Christ and what he's dealt with. Everything contrary to God. Everything that would get in the way of God, he's dealt with. He's removed all distance between the Christian and Christ and God himself. That's why Job was crying out in the midst of his trial in Job 9 and verse 33. I wish there was a daysman, an umpire. One who could touch me in all my weakness and fears. And one... Who could touch God and bring in this power in the midst of weakness? And that's what God would have us to experience. But you know what he has to do? In Psalm 102 and verse 23, he has to weaken our strength. That's lying power. You see, Satan has been, Christ has defeated Satan and his power. In Hebrews chapter 9 verses 12 through 14, in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 9 to 14, 15, to the end of the chapter in the 18th verse. And now, because of the power and love and a disciplined mind, he's able to draw us near to himself. And this is Hebrews 2 and verse 18. This is what he was teaching, the Holy Spirit through the apostle Paul, that, that messenger of Christ, his son Timothy, his spiritual son, and I'm a prisoner now. You know what I am? I'm more than a conqueror in Romans 8 and verse 37. Do you know why? Because God was for me in Christ. And if God be for me in all the power of who He is, who can be against me? Who can change God's plan? Who can change God's mind? Who can change His power? His love and the disciplined mind that His Son is, the very mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 16. And in Philippians chapter 2. and verse 5. His prisoner. But join with me. As a part of this suffering. Do you know what else it takes to suffer? It takes power. For the gospel. According to what? The power of God. Here it is. The power of God. Who has saved us. And continually does so. And called us. With a holy calling, not according to our works. Do you see why they didn't have power? The church of Laodicea, do you see why sometimes we don't have power? Because we're still strong in ourselves, in the flesh. And so in Psalm 102 and verse 23, he has to weaken our strength. There is where we don't need him. We don't need his word. We don't need each other. We don't need the body of Christ. We don't need to be taught by others. We can do it ourselves. He has to humble us. He said recently none of us deserve to be humbled. God could leave us the same. No. He not only saved us. But he's going to continually deliver us into the perfect reality. The finished work reality of who he's made us to be in the love of his son. In Colossians 1 and verse 13. And a love that they have. That nothing could disturb or distract. You know why? Because there was power in it. We see it in John 1 verses 1 and 2. We see the power in Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 through 3. God's very best in Hebrews 1 and verse 4. He's given us his his son. He's given us his son. He's given us his son. And that power... Does away with all shame. We see that in 2 Timothy 1, verses 12 and 13. And he has dealt with all our shame, all our guilt. In Romans 8 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ. The rest of that verse, if it says anything else, it's not in the original Koine Greek New Testament. The rest is italicized. It's an interpolation, meaning. It was put there for lack of something better or it doesn't belong there. It does not belong. You see, shame does not belong in who we are in Christ. God's given us power, but he has to weaken our strength. And that's how we have to grow. That's why he has to humble us in James 4 and verse 6 and 1 Peter 5 and verse 6. That's how we grow in the knowledge in 2 Peter 3 and verse 18 and and the knowledge of his love. In Ephesians 3 and verse 19. But that's going to take power. It's going to take power. God's power begins when our strength ends. When I am done with self. When I can say in in Romans 7 and verse 24. Oh wretched man that I am. You see that's where we need power. Oh wretched man that I am. I have all the understanding. Of Romans chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. But then I get to 7. And I find I keep trying. I have all this truth. I have all this light. But I don't have power. Why? Because I'm trying to do something with it. Instead of receiving it. You know the law said do in Deuteronomy 4. 1 and 2. Do and live. Jesus Christ says, I am your life. It's done. Receive. The whole Christian life is one of receiving. The whole Christian life is one of receiving what Christ has finished to the complete, eternal, glorious satisfaction of Jesus Christ, of each individual that is in Christ. And that will be brought out. All the glory of God will be brought out for all eternity in the measure of our fellowship, each of us with Christ, in Revelations 2 and verse 17. So he's called us, not according to our works, it's a holy calling, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted, given, us in Christ Jesus from all eternity, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ. Who abolished, did away with death, having the power over it. John 10, 17, and 18. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 14 and 15. Their whole lifetime, it says, they were fear. They had a fear of death. Now, through Christ, all death is the door to an eternal, unrelenting relationship and an exchange of a love life that nothing will ever disturb or distract. Ecclesiastes seven one: The day of one's death is greater than the day of one's birth. Our birth started out with a sin nature in Psalm 51 and verses 4 and 5. The babes, as soon as they come out of the wombs, that's why they need teaching right away. And they need it especially in the home. The Sunday school is the home. I want to make that crystal clear. Crystal, crystal clear. As God wants to make it clear to all of us about our home life. In Psalm 58 and verse 3, as soon as they're born, they speak lies. They need to be taught truth. They need to receive Christ and then they need to receive truth. That's why the home needs to be a place of security. Quiet, calm, security. In nothing but Christ. in, In creative ways. In creative ways. But we see that word here. Is power. Why? Jesus Christ had the power. To go down under. Under our sins. And the very judgment that was due us. That should have come to us. He became the power of that. In all the fulfillment of God's grace. He did away. With wrath for you and I. In John 3 and verse 36. He did away with it. There is no wrath. There is no Christian today as part of the the Church of Jesus Christ of going through the tribulation period. Revelations three ten makes that crystal clear. De- we don't go through it. Dia d i a. We're delivered out. Ek out. And that's why we're called Ecclesia, the Church. We are out of all wrath. In First 1 Thessalonians 1.10 and 1 Thessalonians five, and verse nine. That would cause Fear. Because as Jesus Christ is, and all the power and love of who He is, with His 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 complete mind, we have that in this world right now. The enemy doesn't want the believer to function in power. He wants to convince them they don't have it when we have Christ in us, the fullness. Colossians two nine says that the whole time that Christ walked the face of the earth, he was filled up with all of who God is and all the power and love and full thought of God bodily. Then it says in Colossians 2.10, and it's speaking to Christians, God's speaking to us this morning, and you are filled up in him. With what? Power, love. Oh, a well-disciplined mind. A well-disciplined mind. And he's fulfilled that, and he's accomplished it. And the accomplishment of the position of who Christ is in us and who we are in Him is to be brought out in our experience. But the only way that we experience that power, we must be humbled. Do you know what's part of His power, and His love, and His thought towards us, even before we realize it, in His anticipative love, and His prevenient grace, His anticipative love. Long before we experience that love. He's loved us. Ephesians 1 6, we're accepted in the beloved and the eternal mind of God, never violating our free will. But of course, apart from God's will, there would be no salvation. So he never never bypassed man's will ever. It's called unconditional love. If it was anything else, it would be conditional, it would be conditional upon God Himself and having nothing to do with the will that God gave man. So that he could function in a proper image in Genesis one, twenty six and twenty seven, and in Genesis chapter five, verses one and two. And by the way, male and female, regardless of the garbage that is being taught today to unfortunately to children as young as four years old. No such thing. You were born a certain way, period, to glorify God in an image that he has so graciously given us and wants us to function in. And the only way we can do that is in Christ, the power of God. Again, 1 Corinthians 1.24, the power of God and the wisdom of God. We can see this beautifully. And this can only be accomplished experientially through humility. And God, and God in his anticipative love and his prevenient grace, Prevenient grace simply means I don't participate. My will is not active in receiving it got to make us passive. Charis, grace, C-H-A-R-I-S, it's Caris. And it's literally, literally passive. I don't do anything. I receive it. I receive that power. And when I do, I have love. And then I think properly. The only way to think properly is through who God is, love. In 1 John 4, 8 and 16, the only way to have that love is through power. And we need power. Power. Now, what is that word power? What is that word power? Well, it's dynamai. D-Y-N-A-M-A-I. And you know what it means? It means to be able. Meaning we have the supernatural ability of God as he gave us his son where all his power resides. We read it in Colossians 2 in verse 9 and 10. Oh, we spoke it. In 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 24. We don't. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Remember, fear is a spirit. It's a demonic, evil spirit. What it is. And we're to cast that reasoning down because then if we don't, it becomes a stronghold. In 2 Corinthians 10 verses 4 and 5 and 6. It's, din- it's dinatos. D-Y-N-A-T-O-S. It means to be able. It's dinateo, to be able. The opposite of that is the negative alpha, A, dinatos, unable. And boy, the enemy doesn't want us to function in the reality of our position in the very, very power of God through Christ by the, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And doesn't want that for us, you see. But this is what we need to understand and God would have us all to understand this. Paul, an apostle had, who was given this Ephesian truth, who entered into the third heaven. We see that in the scriptures. He was in the third heaven. He was caught up in the third heaven and he heard things, where it says that a man's not even permitted to utter, to speak, meaning it has to be God speaking to us through Jesus Christ. No man, apart from Christ, is able to receive it. That's what he was saying. And I can't do it. And he said, on behalf of such a man, I'll boast, but not on my own behalf. We don't boast in men. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 21. I boast is in the Lord in Psalm 44 and verse 8. On behalf of such a man, I will boast, this man in Christ. But on my own behalf, the flesh in me that I'm not of, in Romans 8, 9, I will not boast, except in regard to what? My weakness. We want power, do we? But do we want God to bring out the reality of how weak we are? No wonder it says in Hebrews 12 and verse 1. Lay aside every weight. We can't handle certain things. We're not strong enough in ourselves. The lie is we can. G- Genesis three one to six, Second Corinthians eleven, verse three. The lie, of the enemy, in John eight and verse forty four, that somehow we're able to do it, to forget God, in our experience, to forget Him. Well, well, here we see here, for that truth. To function in him his power in power, he had to be made weak again psalm hundred two and verse twenty three He weakened my strength, and he shortened my days in the way. Thank God, thank God for that, for that truth. I will not boast except in regards to my weakness, my weaknesses, for I do wish to boast for if I do wish to boast, I won't be foolish, I won't think. That I can do something, a single thing apart from Christ. The power that he is, the love that he is, and the disciplined mind that he is, and in me is that treasure. I won't think so. I'm going to turn away from the weak vessel and right, turn right to the Christ, the power of God in us, that treasure. I'm not going to be foolish in Proverbs 18:1 and 2. But I will, with my will submitted, be speaking because I'm receiving the truth of who Christ is in me. But I refrain from this so that no one will credit me, credit anything to the flesh, with more than he sees in me or hears from me. So because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting the self-life, Thinking, I can rest now because I know enough about something. When we know nothing as we ought to in First Corinthians 8, 2 and 3. Knowledge puffs up. First Corinthians 8, 1. You know how it puffs up? Because the flesh takes advantage. The enemy takes advantage of the weakness, brings in the lie that the flesh can do something to replace Christ. The carnal man is always in competition with the man in Christ. The man the true man and who we are in Christ, in in us, always in competition. Well, I'm not going to be foolish. I'm going to be speaking the truth. And so what I need, because of all the suppressing, all the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me. We are kept by the power of God, 1 Peter 1.5, to keep us from exalting the self-life, the knowledge, Based upon a lie that now I have power to do something. And I have some kind of power about from Christ. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh. A messenger of Satan. To torment me. Cause me pain. You know the Apostle Paul experienced a lot of pain. I think. Truthfully. A vast. Immeasurable second to the pain that Christ because he took ours on him, by the way, on Calvary. All our pain, all our shame, all our guilt, and he did away with it positionally. He did away with it. Soon there won't be any in Revelation 21 and verse 4. There won't be any more pain. But for now, it's a thorn that God uses. You know, Jesus Christ had more pain than any other human being. I believe in, in terms of men with a fallen nature, if you read 1 Corinthians 11th chapter, And you can start in the 20s and go down to the end of the chapter. You will see, I believe, that no human man with a sin nature but in Christ never experienced the pain that the Apostle Paul did. But look what came out of it. That's why we have it, folks. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting the self-life. Concerning this very thing, I beg the Lord, I implore the Lord, please, please. It says three times here. I think he did it off and on continuously in his growth. That it may leave me. God, why do you allow this? Why? Here's the reason why. Can I make us weak so that we go to the only source of power? Please let it leave me. And he said to me, and he sang to us this morning. My grace is your only sufficiency. My son with all his power. And it's for you. In your weakest moment, I'm for you. In your pain, I'm for you. For power is perfected, completed, and brought out in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather boast in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses well, with insults, how do they not affect me? How does my weakness and my pain not affect me? Power and love and a well-disciplined mind. How about insults when someone insults me? Well, Psalm 119, 165, Great peace of thee that love your, your law. The law there's teaching, by the way, not the Ten Commandments. It's teaching. No one could keep those in Exodus 19, and verse 8. And... and Exodus 24 and verse 3. No one could keep the Ten Commandments. There's only one who did away with it. In in Romans 10, 4. And that's Christ. But he did far more than fulfill that, by the way. He's the only one that had the power to do so. And it all came through submission. In the midst of his weakness. But only in the sense of him being the captain of our salvation. Hebrews 2, 9, 10 through 12. Well. That's what he said. He said, "Therefore, I am well content. Godliness with contentment. You know, Godly. I have power. First Timothy six six. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And all that suffer persecution, who is it? The godly. In Second Timothy three and verse twelve. I'm content with my weaknesses because I have power. I'm content and immovable. Great peace have they that love your." your teaching, and nothing will cause them to stumble. Why? Even the insults? Yes. Why? Power. Distresses. Power. Persecutions. Power to walk through it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Because it is love that casts out fear. Why? Because there's power. In First John 4 and verse 18. There's Christ in four seventeen. Is our power. With difficulties. You have difficulties. God has power for you. Not to take you out of it. But to see you through it. Takes more power. In you to go through it. Than it would to take you out of it. You would never know him. The way you desire to. Without that. Without being weak. Without pain by the way. In, fact, in, in Philippians 3. And in, in verse 9, Paul says, I want to be found in him. What? In him. What do, what do we, when I find myself in him truly, what do I see? I have power. He's the source of it. But I have power. Love and a well-disciplined mind. And Paul said, I don't want to be found in my own righteousness, my own strength, what my own power. He said, but I want to know him. What? In what? in the power of his resurrection. And then what does that bring me to in the deeper sense of that power? And the fellowship of his suffering. That's how I want to know him. Depth is a greater depth. And that's the answer to your pain, your suffering, and those questions and those prayers that we may have, that God knows himself. With all these, it's for Christ's sake. So that his power may flow through us. But when I am weak, then I am what? This is where we get our our English word dynamite. Explosive. I have power. I have power. You see, we have power. And we experience it when we're weak. Well, God wants us to examine ourselves. Not in the flesh. Not to see if we're born again. But to see if we're functioning in that power. That's what it says. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 1. This is the third time I am coming to you. Every fact is to be confirmed by the witness, the testimony of two or three witnesses. I have previously said when present the second time, and though now absent, I say in advance to those who have sinned in the past and all the rest as well, that if I come again, I won't spare anyone. Since you are seeking for proof of the proof of the Christ who speaks in me, who is who is weak, who is not weak towards you. Do we see that? He's not weak towards us. We're weak in ourselves. We need to look away from all that would distract. In Hebrews 12, too. Why? And how? Through power. Through power. You see, they had light. They had Ephesians light. The Laodiceans had Ephesians light. They didn't have power. They settled down in the world. It all became about the details of light money, health, health, and we all desire that, and God will do that in his time. They settled down in the world. They began to love the world because they didn't have power to receive the love of Christ. So they began to settle down. Their whole life became that. 1 John 2.15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man says he loves the world, well, the reality is the the love of the Father is not functioning in him. We have a loving father, but we need power to experience that love. Well, we're going to close it soon here. He said, But God, Christ in you, who was not weak toward you, but mighty in you, for indeed he, Christ himself, was what? Crucified. Crucified in what? Because of weakness. He had a human body, a human nature, not a sin nature. Yet he lives because of what? The power of God. Is he our life in Colossians 3 and verse 4? Then we have power. But we also are weak in him, yet we will live with him because of the power of God that is even directed towards each of us become a source, a supply in Ephesians 4 and verse 16. God's power operates what? In the weak. In the weak in the corruptible sphere of human existence. But it is only visible to faith. You see what precedes it? Dependence upon him for the power that only he is and only he can do in me based upon who he is and what he's accomplished. It is only visible, can only come into clarity through faith dependence. But for this very reason, it's supernatural, divine, Powerful life and not human power. It's concealed in weakness. Oh, they looked at Jesus. They thought he was weak, just a carpenter. He was all the power of God dwelling in that weakness. And that is the understanding of the cross. And that is the understanding to realize in all the weakness, even of Paul in his apostolic ministry, he, God had to make him weak. We read that in Second Corinthians chapter twelve, one through ten. And Philippians four and verse thirteen. No, this transcendent power belongs to God. Belongs to God. It's transcendent. But that God gives us that spirit of power and love and a well-disciplined mind, not of timidity not being a coward, not shrinking back and quitting through weakness. Weakness is asthenia. Weakness is what? Weakness is never an excuse. The enemy wants us to make it an excuse, but Christ did away with it in John 15 and verse 22. The answer to the weakness is power. The, the, the result of the power is love. God Himself functioning in and through us through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit and then it gives us a well-disciplined mind. We have the very wisdom of that power in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 24 of who Christ is, you see. But God's weakness is stronger than men in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 25 and that's something Paul had to continue to learn, continually learn as you and I do too. Weakness is the presupposition of the working of divine power, not the exclusion of it, as the enemy will tell us through his lies. It is the pledge of Christ's presence in which Paul finds freedom from his self-life, the lie, and then reliance on God. So what do we have? We have the law of strength and weakness. That's God's law. That's God's teaching. That's what Paul was saying as he ministered to multitudes in First Corinthians chapter. Chapter 9, verses 22 and 23 and down through. He lived by the law of Christ. The resurrection power of God is more abundantly exerted. The weaker we are in ourselves, the stronger the power becomes in us. By the power of God is that expression that brings in the reality of a faith dependence for the whole Christian life the whole Christian life. Then we're able. Then we no longer say, I can't do it. I say because of the power that God has given me through depending on him, the weak can say in Joel 3.10 and 2 Corinthians 12.9, let the weak say what? I am strong. I no longer say, I can't do it, God. Functioning self, looking within thinking I have to do something for God so that his power can be revealed to me. I have to do something. No, we don't say that. We say, I can do all things through Christ. That makes me dynamic, powerful. Powerful in Philippians 4 and verse 13 because he's my my one need in limitless ways in 4.19 of Philippians. We have that. We have proper sense. The only way we have proper sense, the only way we have proper thinking is through the power that Christ is. Otherwise, nothing makes sense. You know, we can function in all the light of the scriptures. But until we have that power, does anything make sense in our experience? No. Why? He has to make us weak, to make us strong, to make us strong. And we can see this as we can close. And we'll close with this. The opposite of power and love in a sound mind is fear. Fear is the Greek word delia, D-E-I-L-I-A. And it's always in a bad, evil sense, meaning wrong thoughts. Nothing makes sense. It's a thought. And when we think that way in fear, when we don't depend in Luke 18, one men should always pray and not turn coward. And quit and give up, be godly men, and especially in this time where we are. And First Corinthians sixteen thirteen, quit, be a man, stand, be a man, and let all your things be done in love. This is First Corinthians sixteen thirteen and fourteen. But that word, fear, the way it's spelt, d e i l i a, in the Greek, cowardice, is only once used in the New Testament. And that's in 2 Timothy one seven. God hasn't given us a spirit, of, a spirit of fear, but of power. Power. Yes, power. You have power. I have power. Yes. I have power. Nothing to do with the flesh or self-help or self-hope. But there, that word, fear, delia, is also associated with anadreia. Being unmanly. The enemy wants us to function in fear and to be unmanly. And then to pretend that we have love without power. But to pretend in, in Romans 12 and verse 9, let love be without dissimulation. So the enemy comes in, says you can do it. Then when we can't, he comes in and he condemns us. We either can hide in Christ or we as Christians. Or well, we can hide. We can hide. And that's what that word delia literally means. It seeks to shelter and fake like we're not weak and to fake it and to lie like we appear strong when we're not. That's what that word is, fear. And so we hide in that experientially and not in Christ. Phobos. P-H-O-B-O-S indicates an unmanly timidity to turn coward. And it's used with that Greek word tromos, T-R-O-M-O-S. And it means a trembling. He wants to cause us to tremble. In the place of godly trembling, which is brought out in Hebrews, in that Greek word, eulabia, eulabia, E-U-L-A-B-E-I-A twice only this word is used in the Greek New Testament, in Hebrews 5, 7, and Hebrews 12, and verse 28. Watch how it works in Hebrews 12, and verse 28, because of Hebrews 5, and verse 7. Christ, power. That we have it. And what is it? It's the spiritual power contemplated as a godly reverence, a godly fear and trembling, and awe of God at his power that is expressed in us. The power of the whole Godhead. In Colossians 2, 9 and 10, of which we are filled up in. So the enemy wants us to function either in the fear of failure or the godly awe of power in us. That power in Hebrews 1, 3 that created everything. That framed it in Hebrews eleven three. Jesus, when they came to him, in the garden, they came to take him. Could they take him? Did they have power to take him? No. God gave them the power of himself by giving himself over to them. They, they came to take him in the garden. In, Gen, in John 18, in verse 6. And all he said, when they said, where is he? And he said, are you? And he said, I am. And they fell back. That's power. We have that power in us. And boy, is it needed today more than at any other time in human history so that we'll be proper initiators. Father, we thank you for your precious love, your precious power, your love, and a very well disciplined mind that you've given to us. We just thank you and we praise you for this truth, Father. Thank you so much for your power, your son, your love, your son your only way of thinking, your son. Thank you, Father, for your word and your will, the accomplishment of your son in us that does away with all fear. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.